So the other day I was going through this list of Indian unicorn startups and I decided to find out how many of the founders of these unicorns are women. At the time of me making this video and according to this list, there are currently 33 unicorns in India. Now that doesn't include dead unicorns or companies that have evolved past the unicorn title, but a majority of these startups have multiple co-founders. In fact, if you add them all up, across India's 33 unicorns, there are 83 founders. And of these 83, only three are women. That's less than 4%. But what if we look at the ecosystem as a whole? If we look at all startups, instead of just looking at the ones with a valuation of more than a billion dollars? Well, the numbers are a bit better. India's latest economic census showed that women comprised 14% of the entrepreneurs in the country, but that census was taken back in 2014. According to InnoVen Capital, the ratio of female founders to funded startups has actually been decreasing since then. In 2016, 22% of India's funded startups had at least one female founder. In 2017, that number had dropped to 20% and then 17% in 2018, and finally 12% in 2019. And this is in line with what we've seen in the Unicorn Club as well, with 9% of those unicorns having at least one female founder. Now, you're probably thinking, okay, these numbers aren't great, but there's gender disparity in every economy. India isn't alone, right? Well, India isn't alone, but you might be surprised by the countries that India shares its gender disparity position with. According to MasterCard's 2020 Index of Women Entrepreneurs, just 5.2% of India's business owners are women, ranking India at number 55 out of 58 economies. It shared that position with Iran at number 54 and Bangladesh at number 56. Now, MasterCard was looking at business owners in general, not startup founders. So that's why that number is lower than the 12% that we saw from InnoVen Capital. But still, these numbers are not flattering. And I'm not here to speculate on what this means or why it's happened. The reasons are plentiful and they're also highly debatable. So I'll let you comment down below and let me know why you think this is the case. But what I wanna do in this video in celebration of International Women's Day is highlight 10 of the most, at least in my opinion, exciting Indian startups that were founded by women. Now, do keep in mind that we're not talking about publicly traded companies here or companies that were founded in the 20th century. This video is about startups and it's also ordered a little bit haphazardly. There's not one particular metric that we're sorting these startups by, so please don't get hung up on one startup ranking higher than another. That's not the point of this video. The point of this video is to celebrate innovative women-led startups. That's it. Okay, with that out of the way, let's jump in. Starting things off at number 10, we have Bhubaneswar-based Nexus Power, which was founded by two twin sisters, Nishita and Nikita Baliar Singh in 2019, and they're building something pretty incredible. Bio-organic, biodegradable batteries for electric vehicles. Initially, Nishita and Nikita wanted to actually build EVs, but after doing a bit of research, they realized that India's EV space is still a really tough market to get into, especially for a 
an early stage startup. They could see that most Indian consumers weren't impressed by EVs. They take a long time to charge, their range isn't that great, and India doesn't have a lot of natively mined and refined lithium right now. Which makes Indian EVs expensive, because the lithium that's in their batteries needs to be imported into India. And so Nishita and Nikita decided to fix this. They thought if lithium isn't a great option for India, then maybe we can create an alternative kind of battery. These batteries use bioorganic nanomaterials with fast regenerative properties, and thanks to biomimicry and industrial ecology, these batteries are also biodegradable and fully recyclable. For their innovative technology, Nishita and Nikita were included on Forbes 30 under 30 2021 list. All right, next up at number nine, we have a platform that I've actually personally used to find cool stores and restaurants in my city, LBB, or Little Black Book, which is a New Delhi-based discovery-led commerce platform. Now, most people don't know this, but Little Black Book actually started as a Tumblr blog. And on this blog, Suchita Salwan would document interesting places that she had discovered in Delhi. The way she tells it, it was basically me finding a way to make my life more interesting. It was a way for me to discover my city on my own. Now, as somebody who has lived in Delhi for more than a year, I can attest to the fact that it is absolutely full of hidden gems. And so by finding them and sharing them with her Tumblr followers, followers, she was able to amass a pretty solid following. Eventually, LBB became a proper website, and Suchita started to build a small team of employees, freelancers, and interns who would scour Delhi searching for interesting places that people could visit. This was all well and good, but a couple of years into building LBB, Suchita realized that she wanted her company to be more than just a discovery website. And so in 2015, Dhruv Mathur joined her as a co-founder. Dhruv felt that Suchita had done an amazing job of creating demand in the market. Now though, it was his job to build the technology that would facilitate the supply side of that equation. Today, more than 60,000 brands showcase and advertise their products on LBB. And the platform also enables them to chat with their customers and access fully managed catalog, logistics, and payout services. Little Black Book is used by more than 3 million consumers every month and has a presence across eight Indian cities. So far, they've raised $8.3 million, that's 60 crore rupees, and $5 million of this was raised in their Series A round in April of 2019 from Inventus India and the Indian Angel Network Fund, among others. Moving on to number eight now, we have a company that we here at Backstage with Millionaires look up to quite a bit, your Story, which was founded in 2008 by Shraddha Sharma, who worked at Times of India and later joined CNBC Mumbai before deciding to jump into entrepreneurship. According to Shraddha, a month before launching the Your Story website, she told a gathering of entrepreneurs that I'm going to start a venture which will tell the stories of entrepreneurs who are not superstars yet, but have the spark, drive, and hope. A few entrepreneurs say do it, most of the experts present say it won't work. But she decided to start up anyways. She was like the people that she was sharing the stories of. Not yet a superstar, but she had the spark, drive, and hope to become one. 
For the first seven years of building your story, Shraddha and her team bootstrapped this startup. She said that part of this was because not a lot of investors were interested in funding a media and news startup like your story in the early days. But that also, bootstrapping has made me the person I am today. When you know you have to fend for yourself every inch of the way, it gives you a different kind of grit and tenacity. Eventually though, in 2015, your story did raise funds so that Shraddha could achieve her vision of making every story matter. Today, your story has published close to 60,000 stories of Indian entrepreneurs and has helped more than 50,000 entrepreneurs access networking and funding opportunities. They also host India's biggest and most popular startup summit, TechSparks, and they also have a section of their website dedicated to women entrepreneurs and change makers called Her Story. All right, coming in at number seven now, we have deep tech startup Mylan Foundry, which was founded in Bengaluru by Aditi Oleman, Ganesh Surya Narayanan, and Gopichand Kadragada in 2019. Mylan Foundry's flagship service, Fovia Stream, is able to leverage the power of artificial intelligence and deep learning to upscale videos that viewers are watching on OTT platforms up to 4K. And that's irrespective of the original video's quality or network bandwidth limitations. How is that possible? Well, it's because it's happening on users' devices. The video is not upscaled beforehand. It's not happening in the backend. Videos that have gone through Fovia Stream are upscaled on edge devices, meaning that it's upscaled on your TV, on your computer, or on your smartphone. And it's happening in real time. Now, you might be wondering what the point of a service like Fovia Stream is. How are they adding value? Well, OTT companies end up spending a lot of money on storage and on transmission and transcoding of video. And with Fovia Stream, Mylan Foundry promises a more than 30% reduction in these costs. On top of that, the quality of the viewer's experience is also significantly improved because this is artificial upscaling. For example, if they're watching a video in 4K, the amount of data required to actually stream that video is equivalent to a 2K video. If they're watching a 1080p video, then the amount of data is equivalent to a 720p video. And streaming speeds match this as well. Fovia Stream enables OTT platforms to double the speed of streaming for their users, which is pretty impressive, but it's also a very new idea. And according to Aditi Oleman, Mylan Foundry is looking at the world of video streaming and media entertainment from a different angles. So the biggest challenge in such a case is to make customers aware. Educate them that there can be a solution like this versus if it's an existing product and you're building something which exists already, in terms of a concept and a product, it's always an easier sell. However, in spite of this challenge of educating the market, Aditi and her team of co-founders at Mylan Foundry have seen some success in raising funds to continue building their AI-powered solution. In June of 2020, they raised a million dollars, that's 7.2 crore rupees, from Pratiti, which is the family office of Infosys co-founder Chris Gopalakrishnan. Next up at number six, we have edtech startup Doubtnut, which was founded by husband-wife duo Aditya Shankar and Tanushri Nagori in 2016. After getting married, Aditya and Tanushri co-founded Class 21A in 2009. Class 21A was an after-school coaching institute in Delhi NCR that was focused on breaking the barriers of conventional education. And for a while, things were going really well for the coaching institute, but according to Tanushri, at a certain point, we realized 
realized that we weren't able to impact students at scale. Even when they were spending 1 lakh rupees per year in coaching classes, it was not possible to solve all their doubts. And so, in light of this realization, DoubtNet was formed. Aditya and Tanushri shifted from offline teaching to online teaching and started solving students' doubts at scale. In a nutshell, DoubtNet provides video solutions to students' doubts in a number of different educational categories like math, physics, chemistry, and biology. Students can just plug in their question or even take a photograph of it and DoubtNet will give them a solution. And for a lot of students who are currently stuck at home taking online classes and who have limited access to the teachers who would normally solve their doubts, DoubtNut is an extremely valuable platform and Baiju's thought the same. In fact, DoubtNut was nearly acquired by Baiju's in 2020 before the deal fell through because Baiju's revised its valuation of DoubtNut from $130 million, that's 940 crore rupees, to somewhere between 80 and 90 million dollars. That's between 579 and 651 crore rupees. Doubtnut didn't like this final offer, and so they turned Baiju's down. In February of 2021, Doubtnut raised $25 million, that's 180 crore rupees, in its Series B round at a valuation of $121 million, that's 875 crore rupees, which is just $9 million short of the valuation that Baiju's rejected. This Series B round brings the total amount of funds that Doubtnut has raised to $44 million or 318 crore rupees. Moving on to number 5, we have Noida-based virtual reality startup SmartVizX. Founded by husband-wife duo Gautam and Titi Tiwari, SmartVizX was launched as a solution to problems that they had both been facing in the architecture and design industry for nearly two decades. They've both been working in the same architecture and design firms, meaning that they've been facing the same problem miscommunication. See, architecture is all about physical spaces, but you never actually get to experience a physical space until it's been built, by which point it's too late to make changes. Cement has been poured, bricks have been laid, and the paint has dried. So it's really important for architects and design firms to communicate their intent perfectly before anything's been built. And Gautam and Titi felt that conventional industry tools and techniques weren't able to do this effectively. Things like floor plans and 3D renders and walkthroughs just weren't enough for clients to get a real sense of the space that they were paying for. And this resulted in differences between expectations and the final outcome. These differences resulted in cost and time overruns, project sizes expanded, and there were logistical challenges. The system was broken. There was a problem here, and in 2014, Gautam and Tithi decided to solve it using VR. According to Tithi, early traction came from my professional network, who eventually became our customers as well. These networks definitely helped us kickstart the sales, followed by word-of-mouth publicity. Also, because of our experience and the understanding of the field, we could talk incisively about the pain points during our outreach. Their flagship product, Trezi, is India's first design communication and collaboration platform. 
platform. SmartPhysX's customers can use Trezzy to review, modify, and experience a product design with clients and colleagues in a way that is absolutely precise and virtually void of miscommunication. You are there in the space. You're able to look around and experience it, which is completely different from top-down 2D floor plans and traditional 3D renderings and walkthroughs that you're only able to experience on a 2D screen. And as a SaaS product, Trezzy isn't limited by borders either. SmartVizX has onboarded customers in the United States, Japan, Thailand, and Singapore. And in order to continue pursuing this expansion, they raised their Series A in February of 2020 from Rockstud Capital, the Indian Angel Network Fund, and Your Nest Venture Capital. Coming in at number four, we have fintech startup Zest Money, which was founded in Bengaluru in 2015 by Ashish Anantharaman, Lizzie Chapman, and Priya Sharma. Before jumping into entrepreneurship, these three co-founders were colleagues at a UK-based finance company called Wanga. And at the time, in India, EMIs weren't accessible to people who didn't have a credit card, which is a massive majority of India's population. I'm talking more than 99%. At the time, only about 10 million people out of India's 1.3 billion had credit cards. And so the only option for a large chunk of that 99% if they wanted to make a large purchase and they didn't have the savings to do it was borrowing from family and friends or loan sharks. And this is where Ashish, Lizzie, and Priya saw an opportunity. They thought, what if we can provide EMIs to people who don't have credit cards? If we could help people living in tier two and tier three cities to make the big purchases in their lives without borrowing money or taking on loans from banks. According to Lizzie Chapman, we don't believe India needs credit. We believe Indian consumers need affordability solutions, things that spread the cost of expensive purchases. To do this, Zest Money partnered with NBFCs and banks to offer EMIs to their users, meaning that it's a win-win for everybody. Users get EMIs up to 2 lakh rupees, that's 2,764 US dollars. Zest Money's partner banks and MBFCs get new lendees. And Zest Money's partner merchants get more sales. Half a decade after it was founded, Zest Money is India's largest and fastest growing consumer lending fintech company, with 6 million customers, that's 60 lakh customers, using their services, and 8 million merchant partners on on their platform, including companies like Yatra, Flipkart, Boat, Amazon, Oppo, Xiaomi, Make My Trip, and more. Next up at number three, we have logistics startup Revigo, which was founded in Gurugram in 2014 by former McKinsey consultants Deepak Garg and Ghazal Kara. While working at McKinsey, Deepak was deeply involved in the automotive and logistics sectors. And he realized that while India's economy was growing, trucks weren't selling in line with that growth. This started as a curiosity, but eventually, upon meeting Ghazal Kara, who no longer worked at McKinsey, but who Deepak knew indirectly, through her husband, who did work there and was Deepak's colleague, they wanted to understand why, despite the fact that India was facing some unemployment problems, truck sales were stagnating and truck drivers were in short supply. After digging as deeply as they could online, Deepak and Ghazal ended up embarking on road trips to talk to people living in rural India to better understand what was going on. And what they discovered was shocking. In an interview with Your Story, Ghazal said that at a village in Rajasthan, 
Pakistan, some three to four unemployed men were sitting around playing cards. I asked them, why don't you consider the option of becoming a truck driver? They took great offense to the question. One guy said that no one would marry him if he took that option, while another said he had studied till class eight, not for such a job. They discovered that being a truck driver was a shameful occupation. Besides not being able to find a wife, they often ended up abusing drugs and alcohol to cope with exhaustion and poor living conditions. And the owners of the trucks that they were driving were often cruel and relentlessly pushed them to drive longer hours, sometimes even up to multiple days without sleep, which made the job extremely unsafe and resulted in a high mortality rate for truck drivers. And to top it all off, this lifestyle was usually non-stop. Truck drivers typically only got a chance to see their families three to four times a year. To Deepak and Guzzle, the solution seemed simple treat truck drivers humanely. Now, I'll be honest here. Typically in business, humanity comes at a cost. Humane hours and humane pay should have ended up costing Revigo more than the competition who were working their employees like dogs, but it didn't. And this is where Revigo's relay trucking model comes in. To explain how this model works, I'll give you an example. In order to save money, Revigo's competition would typically use one driver for a single shipment. So with sleeping, eating, and whatever else the truck driver decides to do with his time while he's not driving, that shipment would take approximately 70 hours. However, with Revigo's relay trucking model, one truck driver only takes the truck about four to five hours down the road. Then upon reaching one of Revigo's 70 plus pit stops, they hand the truck over to another driver, take a 45 minute break, and then they take a new truck and drive back home to be with their family. The next driver drives the truck another four to five hours down the road, hands it off, then that driver drives it another four to five hours, and and so on and so forth. In this model, the truck never really gets to take a break, but the drivers do. And what's more, that 70-hour delivery time becomes 24 hours. Three-day shipping becomes one-day shipping, which of course is a win-win for everybody. Truck drivers are happy, Revigo's customers are happy, consumers are happy, and of course, Revigo is happy. The startup became a unicorn in September of 2019 and has raised $280 million, that's 2,025 crore rupees, in debt and equity funding so far. Moving on to number two now, we have financial services company Mobiquick, which was founded in Mutinagar in New Delhi in 2008 by Bipin Preet Singh and Upasna Taku. And this was before Paytm, before Free Charge, before Google Pay and Phone Pay. Mobiquick was really early to the digital payments and fintech space. And so they had to do a lot of heavy lifting to educate the market. People just didn't trust the internet. They wanted their money in cash, not in some digital wallet. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but Mobiquick actually started off as a prepaid mobile recharge service. You couldn't scan QR codes, you couldn't send money to other people or pay your bills. This was purely for recharging mobile phone plans, data cards, and DTH television plans. Then though, in 2012, when the idea of paying for things online was becoming a bit more widely accepted, Mobiquick started to branch out allowing their users to pay for bills like electricity, insurance, and gas. And they even set up a small shopping service as well, where users could buy items from platforms like eBay using their Mobiquick wallets. Mobiquick was innovating. They were trying to add as much value as they possibly could for their users. By 2015, soon after,
after Bipin and Upasna were married, you could finally transfer money using MobiQuick as well. Then though, in 2016, UPI happened. That's the Unified Payments Interface. And just a couple months later, demonetization happened. India's entire payment space was turned upside down. The playing field had been leveled, and this enabled competitors like Google Pay, Phone Pay, and Paytm to dethrone MobiQuick. But the great thing about MobiQuick, the thing that I like about them so much, is that they're very resilient. Being first in the digital payment space meant that innovation and adaptation were in their DNA. And so MobiQuick has diversified. Today, they're a fintech company offering financial products like loans, gold investment, and mutual funds. And they also have their own payment gateway called ZacPay. MobiQuick is currently valued at $300 million, that's 2,171 crore rupees. And while they might not be a unicorn startup like their competitor Paytm, many people have actually referred to them as a cockroach startup, which in the startup ecosystem is actually a good thing. It means that you grow slowly, but you stick around, you survive, you overcome even the most catastrophic disasters. And that's exactly what MobiQuick has done. According to Abasna, we are here to stay and we have our eyes on profitability. And the fact that MobiQuick is aiming for an IPO in 2022 gives even more credibility to that statement. So before we move on to startup number one, there's something that I need to confess to you. This part of the video that you're watching right now was filmed about a week after I filmed the first part. And the reason why I'm filming this separate segment is because between the time that I filmed the first part of the video and this part, India got two new unicorns. There's Inframarket and Innovasir, but no, neither one of these companies has any women founders. So I just wanted to make sure that the information in this video was as up-to-date as possible. But the second reason why I wanted to film this separate segment was to include some honorable mentions in this list. There are tons of amazing Indian startups that were founded by women, and I just felt like 10 wasn't enough. So here's another 10. And I'm just gonna rush through these. I'm really sorry, this video is already upwards of 24 minutes long, and we just don't have time to go into depth about these next 10. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't deserve time. They are just as good as the nine startups that I've already covered in this video. But we did have to choose 10 startups to focus on for the majority of this video. So I apologize for skimming over these next 10, but I did think that they were worth recognizing and mentioning in this video. And by the way, these are just listed in alphabetical order. Okay, firstly, we've got Blue Tokai, which was founded by husband-wife duo Matt Chitarangan and Namrata Astana in 2013 in Delhi. Blue Tokai is a coffee startup that sells freshly roasted coffee through an online store, and they also have offline cafes across India. Next, we've got Fable Street, which was founded by Ayushi Gudwani in Gurugram in 2015 and is a premium workwear brand for women that creates and sells office clothes that look good on all body sizes. After Fable Street, we have Jet Set Go, which was founded by Kanika Tekriwal and Sudhir Perla in Delhi in 2014. Jet Set Go is a marketplace for private jets, helicopters, and air ambulances, and is known as the Uber of the skies. Next, we've got Josh Talks, which was founded by Shobit Banga and Supriya Paul in Gurugram in 2015, and is a 
media startup that produces inspiring videos and events in multiple Indian languages. After Josh Talks, we have Le15, which was founded by Pooja Dingra in Mumbai in 2010 and is a pastry startup that sells freshly baked desserts like macarons, cupcakes, cakes, and tarts. Next, we've got Mama Earth, which was founded by husband-wife duo Ghazal and Varun Alak in Gurugram in 2015 and is an online retailer specializing in baby and toddler products. After Mama Earth, we have Shiro's, which was founded by Sairi Chahal in New Delhi in 2013. Shiro's is a social network exclusively for women that offers high trust and high empathy content, connections, and commerce experiences. Next, we've got Style.me, which was founded by Akhil Tolani and Meghna Sarogi in Gurugram in 2015 and is an augmented reality startup that enables their users to see themselves wearing different jewelry products. After Style.me, we have Sugar Cosmetics, which was founded by Kaushik Mukherjee and Vinita Singh in Mumbai in 2015 and is a cruelty-free makeup brand that sells beauty products through an online store as well as offline retail locations. And then finally, we have Yoga Bars, which was founded by sisters Anandita and Suhasini Sampat in Bengaluru in 2014. Yoga Bars manufactures energy snack bars with no artificial flavors or ingredients. Alright, those were our honorable mentions and sorry again about skimming over those. Even with the 20 startups in this video, we're still going to be missing tons and tons of amazing Indian startups that were founded by women. But we did do the best that we could and if you know of any other Indian startups that were founded by women, then do let us know in the comments down below. Also, if you've made it this far in the video, then you're probably enjoying it. So be sure to hit the like button. That would really help us out. And if you haven't already subscribed, we post new videos every single week about Indian startups, entrepreneurs, and the latest news. All right, without further ado, I will hand the mic back to me a week ago. And finally, coming in at number one, we have Nika, which Falguni Nayar founded in 2012 in Mumbai. Before jumping into entrepreneurship, Falguni worked as a stockbroker and investment banker. She knew how to size up a market, make financial projections and business plans, and had even facilitated other companies' IPOs. This was right around the time that fashion companies like Mintra and Jabong were picking up steam. But Falguni noticed that so far, nobody had taken a serious jab at the e-commerce beauty segment. Shopping for beauty and cosmetics products was an offline activity for a majority of Indian women. And that's where Falguni Nayar identified an opportunity. Nika started things off with an exclusively online approach, curating beauty products from a number of different well-known global brands. They currently follow an inventory-based business model, meaning that they purchase items directly from product manufacturers and store these items in Nika warehouses. This inventory approach allows for some pretty high profit margins, and by 2017, Nika had broken broken even, and they've been profitable ever since. Today, Nika sells beauty, wellness, and fashion products for both men and women using an omni-channel approach. They have multiple websites and 70 stores across India, and they handle roughly 1.5 million orders per month, earning them 94 crore rupees in the financial year of 2020. That's almost $13 million. In April of 2020, Nika entered India's Unicorn Club and is currently valued at $1.8 billion. They're also looking to go public in early 2022 
2022 at a valuation of $3 billion, and this would be the first ever IPO of an Indian online beauty company. And it would also be the first Indian IPO of a company that was founded solely by a woman. Talking about the IPO, Falguni said that I am building Nika to have a life of its own. I have also taken other people's money, so I have to give them exits, right? All right, those were 10 exciting Indian startups that were founded by women. I hope you enjoyed the video. Also, if Hindi is your preferred language, we have a Hindi channel. If you like to read, then we have a weekly newsletter that you can sign up for. And we also have a podcast as well where you can find this episode as well as future episodes and a couple of past episodes too. Thank you guys so much for watching this episode of Backstage with Millionaires, and I will see you in the next one.